I'm Peter. And I'm Felice. Welcome to our travel podcast. We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world. So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way. This week we're talking to Brendan Kumarasamy. Brendan is a Canadian public speaking coach. Now, just what public speaking has to do with action-packed travel, you may well ask. But how often have you visited a new country where you don't know a single word of the language and you want to discover what makes a new place tick, but because of the language barrier and the lack of confidence in your ability to interact with others, there's no real communication? You might just about manage please or thank you in another language, but otherwise you'll probably give up. Back in 1991, I remember going skiing in Hokkaido, the northern island of Japan. I was staying at the Club Med village of Sahoro, a Club Med created specifically for the Japanese rather than the international market. 30 years ago, the ski industry on Hokkaido was in its infancy before the invasion of Australian resort developers. Almost no one spoke a word of English, and the island and the people felt, well, culturally completely mystifying, and yes, even alien. Myself and my companions also wanted to visit two other resorts. Before we set off for the local rail station, the chef du village at Club Med gave us luggage labels like Paddington Bear to hang around our necks. These roughly stated in Japanese, well at least I hope they did, if you find this ridiculous Westerner wandering around and utterly lost because of his lack of language skills, please look after him and send him back safely to the following address. But Brendan is in his mid-twenties, He's fluent in three languages and he tells us he can do karaoke in eight. He says we're doing it all wrong and he should know because he started a YouTube channel called Master Talk, which is specifically to help people manage communication. His view is that if you can master the skills of public speaking, then the need for fluency in foreign languages becomes a lot less important. In the 90s, Brendan's parents had emigrated to Montreal from a small village in Sri Lanka. Growing up, I, I had to learn a new language from scratch. You know, I spoke Tamil and English mostly, but to succeed at the city, you needed not to speak the, the French language. So I grew up with a lot of kids who, who only knew French. So it was really hard for me to communicate with them, whether it was in presentations, whether it was in conversations. And, and it, it's, a, it's a challenge I had to overcome in my younger days. But obviously, I'm, I'm very grateful today since I speak French, English, and, and Tamil. So it's been a fun journey. So after college, you did something quite extraordinary. You became a, a public speaking coach out of nowhere. How did that come about? <laughs> yeah, just magic. Yeah, so what happened there was when I was in university, Peter, I used to do these things called case competitions. What that is essentially is a business gives you a problem. And then through that problem, you solve it. And so essentially what, ha- what happened in three years, well, other guys my age were playing footy or rugby or cricket, which I wasn't really into. I use that same energy and same competitive spirit into presentations, oddly enough. So I did that for three years, and that's the expertise I was able to bring into to Master Talk. And of course, for, for today's conversation, what I also realized is public speaking is not just about presentations, right? It's about, it's about every interaction you have with everyone around you. I, I think what I realized when I was look, browsing through a lot of these YouTube videos myself was a lot of the information wasn't really good or was highly academic. You know, you hear advice like, oh, you should like be yourself or get up on stage. That's what are you supposed to do with this? So I started making videos and, you know, and, and it started getting traction from there. I think it's a very difficult thing to do, public speaking. Personally, I find it difficult. As I get older, I find it easier, certainly than I used to. But I used to be uh, in a state of uh, 
fear and shock as I stood on the stage. And then gradually you overcome that. But how do you do this? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing that we could talk about is why the fear is there in the first place. And the reason the fear is there is because of the education system. Think about it. Almost every presentation you've given in your life is mandatory. You don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, you want to get breakfast and present all day? I don't really know anyone who says that. You're presenting topics you don't really care about. You're presenting to students or at colleagues at work that you didn't really choose to do. And the people around you don't really have time to coach you either. So we, we have a tendency to think of public speaking like a chore, like doing the dishes or doing the laundry. So whenever we need to practice it more, the reaction isn't, woohoo, the reaction is rather, oh, geez, right, I got to work on this again. And that's, it's that perception that prevents a lot of us from being great communicators. So what we need to do, especially in the context of travel, is to change the perception of public speaking from, ugh, I hate this thing, to, wow, imagine the possibilities that can open up for me if, if I knew how to communicate better. Like going to a country that you know the language and being still able to communicate with your body language and face expressions. Well, let's talk a little bit about going to other countries. Do you need to learn the other languages of the world or can you just get by as you are? I've heard arguments for both. You know, there's a lot of people like Chris Gillibo who who have been able to travel to every country around the world. And I think what's fascinating about him is he never really tried to learn all of the languages. So, so I think there's an there's a perspective for both in the sense of when you enter a new country, it's always good to to know a couple of words. Let's say in my case, I, I can actually karaoke in eight different languages, which is very bizarre, but it's something that I can do. So whenever I go to a new country, like when I was in Italy a couple of years ago, I, I try and learn the basics to just show them that I'm trying, but I probably have most of the conversation in English. Well, I can't karaoke in even one. You can, please. Yeah, I love karaoke. We've done that in Japan too, which was great. Wow, that's cool. It all comes from, but I mean, if I go to another country, I just learn, please, thank you, hello, goodbye, sorry, something like that. My friend will pay, take <laughs> me to the British Embassy, stroke Canadian Embassy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, so you don't need to know a lot. Absolutely. You know, or I would just try to learn what I can. So for example, when I went to Italy, since it's very similar to French, the roots are, are from Latin. It's all the same. So I was able to learn a lot more. So a lot of people thought I was Italian when I went to Italy, which is so bizarre. Like I would walk into a pizza shop in Naples and I would be, I would say things like, buongiorno, una margarita per favore. And he would just be like, oh, this guy's Italian. And I'm just like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I was just like, so So that's the point is depending on where you're going, I, I would probably try and, and get, you know, 50, 100 words together. So just to show people that you're, you, you, you know something about the language. And, and then after I would probably converse the rest in English with a big smile. In other countries, they always love to practice their English too. Well, that's always a bit of a problem. I, I work a lot in France and uh, I speak uh, reasonable French. But every time I speak French, they want to talk back to me in English. And it can get really annoying, too, uh, especially in, in emails, where they would always email me in English. But actually, if they email me in French, it would be quicker and the level of communication would be much higher. But they want to learn English. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's always arguments on both sides. But as long as you, I think one big thing a lot of people need to do is to try and understand the cultural context of the country. 
like for example, Japan has a lot. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, that you need to keep in mind when you visit that country that are very different than uh, than Westernized society. So, so it's about reading up on those cultural norms, and but in general, you'll be fine. So, do you think confidence is an important part of this? Absolutely. You know, I, I think one one easy tip that people can take away is how do you mirror the energy of somebody else? So, for example, in this show. You know, the hosts, both of you, are a bit more on the introverted side. So notice how my vocal tones is actually matching the range that you're communicating. But I've obviously been on shows where it's the complete opposite. Hey, Brenda, how's it going, man? I'm so excited to have you. And so I'm a lot more louder. So notice just beca- just by that little thing, so you don't need to know the language. You're just mirroring the other person's energy. It makes the other person feel that, Wow. This person really gets me. This person really wants to be a part of my life. So that's an easy thing people can do. And presumably pauses in presentation are really important to get your point across, not to gabble. Absolutely. So this goes back to this idea of filler words. You know, when you're in, when you're in a conversation and you go, uh, yeah. Oh. So the first part of understanding that is, is to figure out where they come from and why we say them. And the reason why we say them is because we want to buy time in a conversation. So you ask me a question and I go, oh, oh, let me get back to you. And oh, right, here's what I want to say. So we use it to buy time. What the best speakers in the world do, the best communicators, is they still buy time. But the difference is that they say nothing. And that's the secret that the best speakers never tell you is that they can pause forever. Right. So obviously we don't have forever, so I'll probably just keep talking here. But the point is, as you get better with silences, you're going to be able to pause more effectively and remove the filler words from your vocabulary. That's why the advice I have for people is to practice the endless gaze. Go up to somebody in your house and just stare at them for five minutes and don't blink. I mean, you can blink, but you can't do anything else. And most people can't last five minutes. So that's the challenge. Well, certainly for me, it's wonderful having you on the show because I, I do the editing of the of the show. And normally I have to take out all the ums and errs and so and likes and everything else. But with you, you don't speak at all like that because you just speak as you present. Exactly. It's a practiced art. <laughs> so can you present in Tamil and French as well? Definitely French. I've keynoted multiple times in that language. Tamil, I'm I'm learning the ropes now. Like I'm fluent in the language. I've been on podcasts in Tamil, where where an interviewer asks me questions just in that language, and I answer just in that language. But if it's keynoting, I, I struggle with it. Like I don't know how to read Tamil, but I know how to speak it. So, have you been to Sri Lanka a lot in recent years? No, actually, I only went once in 2003. We're going again next year after 18 years of not going. But uh, yeah, we're excited to see, especially me, since now I'll probably remember the trip because last time I went, I was fairly young. So it's going to be interesting to, to visit my home country for sure. Sri Lanka is a very small country, as you probably know since you visited. So, so it's very easy to actually do the whole thing in a short period of time. So what, essentially what people do in my community when we go to the country is we actually do the whole country. So we go there, but mostly it's actually a lot of people in my culture, frankly, boring. So they don't go to the surfing or they don't go to beaches. They just 
visit families, all the 76 families in the in the country, and then we fly back. That's why I never went back. I just said, oh, well, I don't want to just see family. Uh, so, yeah. It's very beautiful, though, and the food is delicious. Oh, yeah, the food's good. And I'm glad you guys can take the pr- the pressure of the food, too. It's frankly spicy, too, so it's good. Uh, Breakfast curry is uh, quite a, can be quite a challenge. That's true, especially those who are new to it. Can you find Sri Lankan food in Canada? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's very multi-diverse here in the same way you can find like Lebanese food or different, which is great. You know, fun fact about Montreal is that it has the highest number of restaurants per square capita in North America. So it has more restaurants than New York or Los Angeles, which is very interesting. So what's great about that is you get food from around the world. I'm lucky that I have my mother's cooking, so I don't much to complain about. But uh, there's definitely a lot of great spots where I can I can just buy Sri Lankan food if I want that. What's it like living in Montreal? I've never been there. But I've been to Quebec City, which I found very cold in winter. You know, I hear this a lot from hosts. They go to Quebec City, but they don't go to Montreal. And Quebec City is the fun part. I mean, uh, Montreal is the fun part. But uh, yeah, no, Montreal's been a, been great to me. I've thought multiple times of moving to Los Angeles or New York City or Chicago, but every single time I would go, nope, I'm I'm gonna stay in Montreal. Uh, it's 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 a great middle ground between European culture and Americanized culture. You're in the middle where it's a very European atmosphere, but everyone has Canadian or American accents. Right, so so it's this nice middle ground where it's not it's not too crazy. Uh, you don't need a car really to get around, and it's just it's all my family's here. So it's, so I don't really plan on moving out anytime soon. And the rent here is insanely low. You know, I think we pay we're paying like what eight hundred Canadian a month, which is uh, nothing. Have you traveled around Canada a lot? That's the thing with most Canadians I find is that we don't really travel to the rest of Canada that much, except for maybe Toronto. And the reason is because the cost of the flight from Montreal to Vancouver, which is the other side of Canada, is the same price as a flight from Montreal direct to London or Montreal direct to Los Angeles or Montreal direct to definitely New York City. New York City is much cheaper. So Canadians tend to travel outside of country when we generally do. The only time that we travel the country is when we go to Alberta for for the Banff National Park or we go to Vancouver, places they still haven't visited yet. Yeah, we know the Banff National Park. We go skiing there. Wow, you're both very well-traveled. I love that. We've been to Whistler and uh, Vancouver. You've been to Calgary, but not Montreal? I've been to Montreal. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Uh, I've been all over, actually, one way or another. I did a a tour. I wrote a book about James Blunt, the singer, a few years ago. Yeah, I love love James Blunt. I toured with him. uh, What? That's awesome. We went... uh, Literally everywhere. So we had a you know a tour bus and uh, about three weeks around every every night different city. It was fascinating. I loved it. Wow, that's cool. Now, do you have a, a bucket list of places around the world you'd like to visit? Yeah, definitely. I, I have a different approach to travel in the sense that I don't really pick the destination. The destination picks me. So what do I mean by that? When whenever there's a personal development conference. I just go to the conference regardless of where it is. So I'll give you an example. Next year, assuming COVID is over at the right time, I'll be I'll be in Estonia for a month. And the reason is because I didn't really have an affinity of going to Estonia and Tallinn. It's because there's a personal development conference going on there for four weeks and I always wanted to go. 
So, so for me, it's really about connecting with people and making that that, serend- that serendipity easier to come by. So yeah, like if, if COVID didn't happen this year, I would have went to Amsterdam for a month, uh, Jordan in the Middle East. There was a conference there as well. So, so I let the conferences pick the locations for me. And when you're there, do you explore at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. There, there's usually a lot of locals who attend the event too. So it's, it's generally pretty easy to, to get around. I'm quite envious because actually Estonia is somewhere I'd like to go. All those Baltic countries, I've never been to any of them, and they sound very beautiful and interesting. I love it. Yeah, I agree. So so I've been coaching for five years, but I started the YouTube channel really just as a gift back to the community. And then it just uh, gained traction from there. But yeah, it's been, it's been a fun journey. So how many people do you think you've coached so far? Oh, geez. I would say high touch one on one probably seventy, but if I'm if I'm including everyone like group clients and speeches, definitely hundreds at this point. So when you're not teaching people, how do you relax? I, I mostly do it through spending time with family, reading books, podcasts. I'm, I'm a huge connoisseur of different books and podcasts. I'm a voracious reader. I'm a self-proclaimed nerd. So I spend most of my time just uh, just learning from other great perspectives and how, how people think about their life. So how do you reckon the journey you've been on has shaped the person you are today? Yeah, for sure. I think the one thing that I've did that I would love more people to do more of is, is a habit I do every day. And the habit is I ask myself a hard question every single day. So every day that I wake up, I ask myself questions like, what are you pretending not to know? If you had all the money in the world, how would you spend your time? If you died tomorrow, what would your funeral speech say about you? These are the questions that lead to great insights in our life. And I think Tony Robbins puts it best. The quality of our life is solely determined by the quality of the questions that we dare to ask ourselves. So I think that's really what's really made a a difference in mine and helped me figure out a journey on how I wanted to build it. Now, you mentioned funeral speeches there. When you were 21, you wrote your own funeral speech. Is that right? That's correct. Was it a good one? <laughs> I mean, that's subjective for sure. But but I like to think it's a good one. I think that's the point of uh, of the speech for, for those of you who, who want to do it, is it's, it's, it'll, it'll be internal to you. As long as it speaks to you and you get an emotional reaction out of it, I think it'll give you a lot of clarity. Like, like for me, part of the speech really just focuses on this idea that um, I'm going to be dead in a couple of decades. So that means I better focus on, on doing something important that's going to contribute to the advancement of, our, of the human race. I think that's what I realized and came down to. And I ended up focusing on communication. That ended up being the thing. So if I democratize that for the world, then uh, I think everyone's going to be a great communicator someday. So if people want to learn about public speaking, do you have a website they could look at? Yeah, YouTube is definitely the easiest way to go. That's where all my free stuff is. So you can just type Master Talk in the YouTube search engine and you'll find me right there. So all of that stuff is free. You can check that out, learn a lot about communication and, and make your travel experiences better. And if people want a one-to-one, they can book you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, my contact information's on the YouTube channel. So if you want to reach out for that, feel free to do so. So, so Brendan Kumarasamy, thank you very much for appearing on the show. And we wish you the very best of luck in the future with Master Talk. 
course. Thanks. Thanks to you two for having me. It was great. That's all for now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, actionpacktravel.com, or you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love you to sign up for our regular emails too at peter at actionpacktravel.com. Until next week, stay safe. And I am you. And you and me. It's just a crazy story.